Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Moss and Friends. In this episode, we chat with Priyanka and Lane, co-founders of Evie. Evie is focused on all things vaginal health. In this episode, we discuss the metrics of measuring health in female bodies, healthcare dataset tracking, and how they built their brand by building their community first. We hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Moss and Friends. Sarah and I are here today with two guests, which is kind of fun and unusual and exciting. Uh, We're here with Priyanka and Lane of Evie, and we met through Josephine, our operations manager, and I believe you guys got introduced originally through Alpha, the community of women, I I basically would call it like women's, women in tech Reddit. Does that feel like? Yeah. 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 So do you guys um, want to just like elaborate on that a little bit? Tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you guys know each other, and just give us a bit of background. Yeah. So I'm Lane. I'm one of the co-founders of Abby. I'm also our chief marketing officer. So working on everything here across marketing, design, brands, but also while we're still small, doing stuff like operations, customer support, being really boots on the ground in the community, making sure we're doing right by the people that we're trying to help. And Priyanka and I met in undergrad at Stanford, always worked really well together, but we are super excited to take on our next project, which is all the vaginal health, (laughs) (laughs) which is certainly big enough. So I'll let her also introduce herself. Amazing. Um, And I'm Priyanka. I'm uh, Lane's co-founder and the CEO of Evie. My background is more on the the data science and AI side. That's what I looked at at Stanford a lot and then spent the past four plus years at a startup here in New York called Pymetrics, where our goal was to build algorithms that can make the hiring process more fair and effective, and grew with that team to now being uh, almost 150 people and working with some of the biggest companies in the world, which is really exciting and rewarding. And just excited to take a lot of the, what I think are really amazing ways of thinking about data, making sure algorithms are fair and transparent, and bringing a lot of that thinking to healthcare, where it feels like you know a lot of the data sets are based on middle-aged, mid-sized men. And because of that, a lot of the ways we think about diagnosing and treating disease don't include people who look like the four of us, right? So thinking a lot about how we can build new data sets that can really change that paradigm. That is an incredible undertaking. I mean, I think that it's kind of fun in some ways to be talking to both of you at the same time, because if you're like, we're going to put our heads together and like figure this out. And I'm like, I feel confident in that. I feel like that's going (laughs) to happen. So tell us a little bit more about Evie and like, just the journey to get here today. I mean, yeah, I think it it kind of builds from where, you know, I think every woman has her own story of feeling misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed or misunderstood at the doctor's office. And I think I had my last time I could hear, maybe you're not drinking enough water. And I was just like, God, there's gotta be other ways that we could better understand what's really going on with my health. And I was pretty surprised by just the lack of data generally that anyone was using to think about our bodies. And you know, simultaneously, I also have two brothers. And I always wondered, you know, why are we looking at the same metrics of health across our bodies? Like my body works fundamentally differently than both of yours. And I always joke, you know, when you get your blood drawn, it's not like it's sitting on the counter being like, ask me about my vitamin D or my cholesterol, right? We decided that those were the important metrics of health to look at. And we're so curious about what are the other metrics of health that we've just never looked at before because we never studied the female body, right? And I think the big, you know, wow moment for us 
was when we realized that women weren't required to be in clinical research in the United States until 1993, which means like, there's just so much we don't understand about the female body. And all of that is both depressing, but also an incredible opportunity to say, how can we better harness the complexities of the female body? There's so many more things that we could be measuring around our hormones, our menstrual cycles, our vaginal microbiomes, you name it, that could be helping us better predict risk, diagnose and treat disease. But we've never looked at those things before because they only exist in women. Um, and so personally, I've always been really excited about Evie from the standpoint of thinking about new research, new data sets, new biomarkers that we could use to better understand health as it specifically relates to the female body and not, you know, the middle-sized middle-aged man. <laughs> I mean, 1993 blows my mind. Yes. That's an insane, that's, I mean, I was born in 1995. So that's like, that means that that we are essentially the first generation of people who are contributing to these data sets from birth. And that's assuming that the law, when it was passed, changed everything overnight, which obviously is which not how things work. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we are the first to live in an era where it is required to include women in research, but that also doesn't mean that's always happening. Right. Of course. Uh, so that we always say that gender health gap persists today. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we're hoping to change with the research that Evie's doing. That's yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I, I think I'm curious what your experience in having challenging conversations with people who don't necessarily see the problem with that because i think that a big part of why we are where we are today is a lot of people men uh, but also women in positions of power don't really think it's that big of an issue that that kind of data is, isn't required to be included or that we are lacking in context around women's health. And I'm sure that you guys have probably run into so many people that are really supportive, but we've had some other conversations with other female founders where they've walked into a room and there's like, everyone's like, yeah, totally. And there's one person who's like, but is anyone really going to use this thing? Or is this really that relevant? Women aren't, women aren't that many, you know, like, wow, how many people really are going to use this? And they're like, how do you even start to have those kinds of conversations? Have you had those conversations? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think like, you know, luckily I think for us, vaginal health is one of those things that like, I think almost every woman statistically has had at least one vaginal infection, a yeast infection, a UTI, BV, one of the, you know, the many other infections that can happen. And so most women kind of get it and, you know, for better or for worse, it's actually funny when I was exploring a lot of different ideas, this was the one that a lot of men were like, oh, I know that problem. Right. Because it, it actually affects their ability to have sex. And they, know. and it's funny because it's like, there are a lot of conditions that women deal with that men don't know about, but I, there are a lot of men that were like, oh, I, I know this one. Um, <laughs> so we definitely, I mean, I would say what we actually hear more so maybe than like, is this a big problem? I mean, vaginal infections are the most common infection of women after the common cold. When you put them all together, they're the number one reason that women go to the OBGYN. I think it's like hard to argue that they're not prevalent problems. I think what's interesting and more of the uphill battle that we fight is, you know, the status quo isn't good enough, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people are saying, you know, well, if you go to the doctor, you get a diagnosis and you get a treatment, 
it's an antibiotic. It's pretty cheap and you go away. Right. And the fact that you have to come back again, two to three months later, like there's not a lot of financial incentives for that system to change, even though it radically affects our quality of life. And, you know, it actually really creates financial impact on the system down the line through things like fertility issues and preterm birth and cervical cancer progression. But people aren't drawing those connections yet because that research is more novel. And so it's really hard to even change the paradigm of vaginal infections alone because there aren't a lot of incentives to do so. So we definitely find that battle hard of saying it's actually worth doing more comprehensive testing. It's worth taking a more holistic long-term approach because financially it's pretty cheap to just give someone antibiotics, unfortunately. Right. Absolutely. And and I wonder if you can speak a little bit more to the access uh, portion and sort of just making sure that those, the impact of that cost, whether it's just framing the cost in the eyes of companies and investors, or actually just calculating what it might cost a woman over time who suffers from recurring health issues, like vaginal health issues, and then does have challenges around fertility, like, and what that cost would look like for someone like all of us who are college educated women who with access to a certain tier of healthcare versus someone who has no access to healthcare or is dealing with like over-the-counter products that may not even be the correct product for that for that person because that's that's like a personal anecdote that I remember from college is people being like ah this probably works and and going to the doctor years later and being like no that was like literally the wrong thing that you were using but you they didn't feel like they had a choice right totally no I mean you're a hundred percent right? There's women are spending so much money managing these infections, right? I mean, we have a funny list on our website. It's like antibiotics there. They sound cheap, but they do end up being something between 15 and $20 around. Antifungals are similar. Same with boric acid. Probiotics can be up to $40 a month. The creams, the wipes, all of that on top of the copay of the doctor's visits or other tests or other things that they're buying. And it becomes really costly to your point, right? Let alone all of the effects that it might create for them downstream. And our goal definitely is to be far more proactive, preventative, root cause facing than a lot of what the system does today, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'm curious about like the logistics now, like in terms of this being like an at-home test, you know, we've seen a surge of at-home testing with COVID. How has that impacted your model with it being an at-home test? We decided on being an at-home test because it makes the most sense for the consumer and for the problem we're solving, right? You don't need to go into the doctor to do this. You know, it's a swab of your vagina. You can do it yourself. But really, I think the thing that's been cool for us to see is that people are a lot more comfortable with at-home tests now, right? People understand the idea of getting a kit and activating it and following instructions for something, sending it back to a lab. A lot of the motions that we thought we were going to have to do a lot of training on have actually become things that the market's been trained on for, for other unfortunate reasons. Right. And so because of that, it's a lot more understandable and accessible for someone to do. And what has been the response from providers? So to kind of bridge that communication gap between, you know, a woman and their provider, because that was something that was really interesting. And what we loved about uh, Evie was that it gave women that knowledge of what their own vaginal microbiome was like to start having conversations with their doctors. What has been the response from that provider side? Totally. I mean, and that is something we care so much about. I think so many of the women who come to us have unfortunately really disengaged from the healthcare system, right? They have had tons of infections. They go, you know, through that cycle that we talked about, they go to the doctor, the doctor says they have another infection of BV or another yeast infection. 
they give them another drug, they go away and it happens again, right? And to be honest, I think providers are really frustrated too, right? It's really hard to be a provider who has someone coming back with their 12th infection, who's begging you for more information or another solution that isn't just, you know, the 12th round of antibiotics that year. Um, and so I, I'm actually really excited about both the patients who are talking to their doctors again, saying, oh, I actually have new information that now we can talk about, or maybe we were actually targeting the wrong bacteria this whole time because the one we were targeting seems to be way less of a problem than this other one that we weren't even looking at, right? And so it's exciting to see that happening. Um, at the same time, a lot of the knowledge that we're talking about, we've figured out in the past five to 10 years, right? And there are a lot of doctors that have been working for a lot longer than that. And so how do we do a good job bringing providers into the education to better understand what is the vaginal microbiome? A lot of these microbes I'm talking about, most doctors don't know what they are because we didn't know what they were or the role that they played even 10 years ago, right? And so how do we make sure that we're educating consumers so that they can have a more productive conversation with their doctor when they do go in? And then when they go in, giving the doctor the tools to actually really understand what's going on and help that patient make the best decisions for their health. And we've been doing all this in collaboration with our scientific advisory board, which is made up of OBGYNs from Stanford, Harvard, Cleveland Clinic, UCSF, really amazing leading OBGYNs and vaginal microbiome researchers. We lean on their advice, insight every single day. We make sure that Evie is built in a way that they would use in their practice that they would agree with. So we're, we're excited that we have such an amazing scientific advisory board along for the Evie journey. And I think that speaks to that there are so many forward-thinking providers that are, that are excited about more comprehensive testing in women's health. Yeah, I, I love that so much. I think that anytime that you are taking on so much education as a part of a, a new product or a new experience for people and just changing the way they think about a certain aspect of their health, um, you really need to have that uh, scientific backing to just not come across as like, oh, we're just trying this new fun thing. Like, no, this is this is legitimate. But Lane, can you talk a little bit more about like the education portion as it relates to sort of like brand and marketing and growth? The sense I get is you're really deeply connected with your community and you're iterating so quickly based on feedback. So I would love to hear more about that. When I think about building the Evi brand, what I actually think about first is building the Evi community. How do you build a brand like you would build a social movement? And I think the questions that you start to think about first then are things like, what is the community we want to build? What do we want them to value? What do we want them to fight for? And when you start thinking about those words instead of necessarily you know, traditional brand words first, you land on things that we really love about our community, things like candidness and being welcoming and inclusive. One of my favorite brand words that we ended up landing on was refreshing. Uh, but that really comes from this idea that when you're being educated on a scientific topic or about something in your own body, it's refreshing to be taken seriously. It's refreshing to be treated like you're smart. It's refreshing to have an educational experience that starts at the level that you can understand that doesn't talk too over your head and doesn't talk too below where you're at currently. It meets you exactly where you are and takes you on a journey sort of step-by-step step from here to there. Um, but then you can also see how that once you define those words much more around community and education, they can translate almost directly into a visual brand. It was so interesting to think about how words like candid and refreshing then translate in a visual sense. And that's how we ended up focusing on things like microscopic photography is a huge part of the brand and bright 
neon highlight colors and not being afraid of using black and white and things that are more bold and kind of like not in the traditional millennial brand or in the even worse traditional vaginal health brand, which is like baby pink and purple. So I really do think that community led us to the brand. And I think the way that we build the community that we want to build is by educating them in a personalized way that meets them where they are and helps elevate their own body literacy that elevates their own ability to advocate for themselves in the healthcare system uh, and really introduces them to each other in a way that they can support each other in what used to be a very taboo, embarrassing, shameful experience. Yeah, that's, <laughs> there's a lot there. I think any, anyone who's, who's had to walk up to a register at CVS with one of those, like, essentially it's like a derivative tampon brand style yeah. vibe. It's just like, why? <laughs> why does this need to happen? Why is this experience that's already like physically uncomfortable typically being made so much worse by just like the experience of, of checking out with this item. And I, I think that so much of what you're saying about creating an experience that's refreshing, it plays into the empowerment uh, and the sort of like social good that you're, the you sort of are basing this whole venture in, I would say. And uh, I, I really, I love that. I think that is such a strong approach because it doesn't really leave a lot of it kind of goes back to my original question of like, well, what if people say that this isn't that important? It's like, actually, it doesn't really leave much room to talk about whether it's important or not, because, you know, it's it's been made clear by people that it is important and you're responding to that need. Totally. And I think like, I'm so frustrated with the system always trying to tell women that they know more about our bodies than we do. Right. And I just think the energy of ever telling a woman the status quo is fine or do things the way you've been told to do them. Like that is just so degrading to me in a world where like, why would I do that when I know that the system literally was designed without including anyone who looks like me in it? Like, why would I think that that status quo is okay? And why, why defer back to things as they are when things as they are, are really painful for a lot of people. And I think there will be pain in pushing through that. There will be people who consistently tell us that the status quo is fine and, you know, no new data is ever going to be helpful and none of this matters. And it's on us to stand up for the people who are in our communities and who are telling us like, thank God I found this new information and I figured out what was going on and how do we elevate those stories, elevate the narratives of the incredible forward-thinking physicians who we are working with so that we can change the system, right? Over time, we do want you know, the real standard of care to change. We don't want to be, you know, on the side of all of it, but it's going to take, you know, a lot of amazing women standing up and explaining their stories and how we can do better. And the forward thinking physicians doing the same for us, to, for us to get there. So lots to do, but, but it's exciting. <laughs> for sure. And I mean, with that, like, what has Evie been up to, you know, over the last few months? Is there anything that's coming out? Any news or updates? <sighs> so many, I don't even know where to begin with that question. <laughs> um, we've been a market for about two and a half months now. And I would say the most amazing part has been meeting the community, getting to know the women who have been begging for something like this to exist, who are so excited about all of the incredible work Lane has done on the branding front, creating the space that people have been wanting. And it's been amazing to see that reception, right? From a customer standpoint, from reporters reaching out to us being like, wow, I have always had these problems and I've never thought to talk about them before. Um, and I think we feel really 
validated in the problem and really validated in the fact that yes, vaginal health is a huge problem. And most things in vaginal health right now are products. And it's been amazing to see how much information is so important to people. And even just being able to tell someone I can show you what's going on and we don't fully know what this means yet, but I can tell you that you're not crazy. I can tell you that there are people who look like you and who have these results who also have symptoms and together with our science advisory board, we're going to guide the research to better define that. But starting with information and starting with vaginal health feels really, really right to us. And it's been really amazing to meet those people over the past two and a half months. And I think, you know, the flip side of that is that because there's so much white space in vaginal health, you know, amazing opportunity for us. It's also really hard, right? Because people come to us and they want us to do everything, right? They want to know, can you be my doctor? Can you tell me what treatments to take, what supplements to use, what condoms to use, what underwear to wear, what lube to use. And it's really hard when there aren't a lot of things that have been designed to think about vaginal health. We don't really have a lot of places to point, right? And I would love to have more of an ecosystem to refer into. And we're excited to kind of hopefully convince other people to, to work alongside us in all these other areas. But it's also been really hard being like, we can't solve everything for everyone. And so how do we build up that ecosystem? How do we build as much as we can so that we can support people on something that will never be solved by a silver bullet? It's a really complex ecosystem of microbes that you're trying to shift to be something else. And that's gonna take, take more than any you know single pill. And so how do we really build up the right partners, the right information to really help someone end to end through that. Um, and we're only, you know, this far into it. So lots to do. I mean, I love that you paint that picture. So I feel like you paint it really effectively of, you know, this is the landscape, this is the history, these are the challenges, and this is our approach. And and it feels, it feels like you both have a really effective way of talking about how you're going to take this corner of this, you know, massive problem of women's health being sort of like underserved. And you are going to strategically address the different needs that are popping up. And I'm wondering, I think so many people talk about, oh, I, I, I'm passionate about women's health. I want to get into it. I want to, you know, at base, typically based on this experience I had that was bad, I would love to address this problem. For people who are feeling overwhelmed. Um, I know that like obviously speaking to people who are forward thinking researchers and, and clinicians and scientists sounds like something that you would maybe recommend, but what else would you say changed your understanding of the space and helped you and helped you form this mental model that you now can explain like so effectively? That's a good question. Do you have a, I was just going to say that how I started on this journey at all was that I have suffered with this for more than seven years. And I think I would really encourage people who are going through their own health journeys and who might not realize that they are now the experts on their own bodies and that they might know a lot more than some people in the healthcare system about their particular condition or disease or situation or context. And I would encourage them to turn around and how can you give that back to the community in whatever way you can. You don't have to start a company. And in fact, it's super hard and probably would not be the first thing I would recommend. But I would say that everyone has their own unique skills and abilities. And we've been so inspired by women that have gone on these difficult healthcare journeys and they turn around and they give that right back to the community. They're explaining symptoms. They're getting on the phone. They're becoming essentially health coaches to other people about navigating insurance and doctor's offices. Um, and symptoms and checkups and all this stuff. 
And so I would say, you know, and maybe this doesn't exactly answer your question, but I would say that for anybody that feels inspired by changing the future of health for women and people with vaginas, I would start with what you know and how can you give back to the community in a really small way, even if it's just reaching out to someone that you know might be suffering from a similar thing. Because how we got here in the first place is that we've all been suffering basically alone and didn't realize we could turn to each other and be like, that's so crazy that you have that crazy symptom too. Um, and it turns out it's probably one of the most common symptoms in women and nobody's ever studied it. So I guess I would just encourage people to reach out to other people in their community and figure out how they can give back on a more personal level before jumping to something <laughs> as insane as starting a women's health business. Although if people do want to, the other thing I would say is that I think for so long, people have been so intimidated by, I mean, myself included, to be honest, by healthcare and starting a healthcare business. And I'm not a doctor, but you know, I'm a data person. And I think that there's these interesting opportunities to improve the research and Lane has her own personal health journey. And I think remembering that like improving the healthcare takes healthcare system takes everyone, right? It takes the people who've been through the experience. It takes the people who understand the data. It takes the designers. It takes the engineers. Like you don't have to be a doctor to decide that the healthcare system could be better. And doctors are a part of that. You can build a team the same way that you build a team of engineers and designers and product people and salespeople and all of the other roles that you need at a company. Having a medical lens on that is another really important piece of a business when you do it in healthcare, but it doesn't mean that if you're not a doctor that you can't do it. And I think it's about time that we have more people coming at it from different perspectives because there's a lot to be fixed. And so, well, I would also say like, there's a lot to do in the communities. I mean, there are also, you know, Evie is hiring. I think probably a lot of really cool companies are also hiring. There um, it is. Got to get that in there. <laughs> you can shout out. People <laughs> directly anytime. Um, no, I think there's, it's also remembering that like, you don't have to be a doctor to be a part of changing the system and encouraging more people to realize you can play a bigger role. Absolutely. I think you both said it better than I've heard it said before. That is, it's, it's so, it's such a bummer that community feels like a cliche word at this point in time, because it really, it is at the root of everything that um, will contribute to making change happen faster more effectively and, and, and having like the biggest possible impact. So I think that's a great place to leave it. Sarah, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I was just going to say, how can our listeners follow along with the journey uh, and if they're interested in joining your team? Definitely. First place to go is evvy.com, evvy.com. That's where we sell our kits. That's where all of our educational information is. That's where you can find our careers page. But in a more fun way, if you want to follow us along more casually, we're on Instagram right now at evvybio uh, and hope to be across more platforms soon. Stay tuned. Very exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming and chatting thank with you. us. Uh, after we had our first intro call, I was like, this is going to be a good one. And I was, I definitely think it was. I was not disappointed at all. So <laughs> thank you. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moss and Friends. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can find us at whoismoss.com or at whoismoss on Twitter and Instagram. We'll see you next time.